This is Corolla Digital. Hi, this is Adam Corolla. I want to thank you for supporting this podcast on the Corolla Digital Network. Everyone here at Corolla Digital is very proud of the shows that we put out every week and are excited about the future of our network. However, a patent troll is threatening that future by suing us. We need to fight back and beat the troll down. If we go down, all the other shows on the other networks you've grown to love are going to go down next. Visit fundanything.com forward slash patent troll to donate and find out other ways that you can help beat the patent trolls. Thank you and mahalo. Hey everyone, it's me, Allison, from Allison Rosen is your new best friend. On Thursday, I sat down with Matt, Chris, Jenna, and Gary, and we tried to figure out who was the most, quote, fit with a kissable face. And then on Monday, Dave Damashek stopped by, again, to tell all about the tough issues. I mourn the fact that I have no dancing ability. I, if I did, I would dance to and fro, here, there, and everywhere. I don't have it, though. Men, though, should not be using emoticons. And to spread his good cheer. It's all going away. Nothing matters. Lighten up. Subscribe to Allison Rosen is your new best friend on iTunes or go to AllisonRosen.com. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. I love you. Allison's your new best friend. From Level 5 City in Glendale, it's This Week with Larry Miller. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who really wants to be a Marine. Hi, folks, and welcome back to This Week with Larry Miller. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And that music once again makes me feel chipper. It raises my spirits, and my spirits, thank God, are always high. I don't know if they should be that high, but they are. But that music, boy, excuse me, I just had a Diet Coke, and it's not easy to speak into a microphone. But boy, that music makes me feel good. They get better every week, and of course, that's the Bill Pine Orchestra and the Robin Smith Dancers featuring boy tenor Steve Golak asking the musical question, how important does a person have to be before he is considered assassinated instead of just murdered? Well, I thought that was a terrific question. And I said to Colonel Jeff, isn't that a terrific question? And he said, I think it's a terrific question, too. And so does Dr. Chris. And that's why it's in there. Thank you, Steve. But what an interesting thought. I mean, has that ever crossed your mind? It has mine. Not a lot, but over the years, from childhood to adulthood, how important does a person have to be before he is considered assassinated instead of just murdered. First of all, there are other categories, aren't there? Wouldn't there be, well, murdered is still, well, murdered, and uh, but it could just be he was manslaughtered. I don't know exactly what the legal definition of these things is, but that, well, you know, it goes down. How many are there? I'm guessing there are five or six different categories. So that, uh, well, one is probably less horrible than the others, right? So it could be manslaughter. It could be uh, accidental homicide. (laughs) It's not an official one. But there are a a couple. You could just back into someone and say, oh, sorry, Bob, and you knock him off the roof of the building. Now, you wanted to kill him anyway, but that's not the point. Your whole plan was to get him up there to knock him off the building. But that's still not the point. In any case, though, the difference between assassination and murder is very, it's a very cool question. How important does the person have to be? Well, the first thing I thought of was, if you're riding in an open four-door Ford convertible, sort of like from the 20s, and if you're in that with a big top hat on, a big black top hat, and you're riding through a village somewhere in Eastern Europe, and it's just before a war might happen, 
Well, and if at that point you're driving slowly and you're waving to people and a dis- wasn't it always a disappointed office seeker? That was what I remember from junior high days that the, everyone who this guy, well, he was a disappointed office seeker. Oh, that's why he shot someone. And in any case, though, why a guy, uh, a lunatic or just a really bad guy? Or just a disappointed office seeker, if, if he runs up to you right then as you're waving from the four-door Ford convertible wearing a big black top hat and you're smiling and everyone is cheering you, and if he then pulls out a pistol and kills you, I think it's fair to call that assassinated. And then Colonel Jeff said, maybe it has to be political. And I said, well, I don't know. And, uh, and, and Dr. Chris said, would you just shut up? I'm trying to eat. And the point is that it's not something we thought had to be political. And it didn't have anything to do with public office or government. And then the colonel said, well, what about maybe an emperor or uh, some really uh, fancy guy like from the South American countries? There's some guy who, who with, you know, who is just the ruler who becomes el presidente for life. And then the classification is, the proof of that is if you're wearing mirrored sunglasses way too often. And both in the bathroom, when you get into bed at night, when you see a girl in a bar you think is pretty, and then you you get to walk over and just say, would you like to have a drink bought for you by El Presidente? And, uh, well, how dumb do you have to be to be the girl at that point and say, no, thank you, I'm just here with friends, we're just catching up and chatting. Well, I think that would be the last catch-up and chat you'd be having for a while. In any case, though, so what does it take to be officially classified as something larger than just someone being murdered? And, well, yeah, that, that, that politics is part of it. You could be the ruler of a country. The military is part of it. Colonel Jeff thought, well, at least a general. He has to be a general or higher. I don't know what's higher, but he has to be a general. And... I thought maybe even colonel. I was going to say that back to you. Well, what about a colonel? And because the colonel, we've, we've encountered a couple of folks in the last 10, 20, 30 years, haven't we? I mean, you and me and, and everyone, folks who don't promote themselves high enough, where you think, is he a little crazy? I mean, wasn't Gaddafi a, a colonel? <laughs> That's right. And uh, by the way, if he's listening, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. And but still to be a colonel, yes, he's the colonel. Really? That's all he he's gonna be the dictator for life? And he just couldn't say, you know what, I officially promote myself to general. To five star, ten star general. But may so maybe it could be the military also, and someone's been assassinated. Uh I think it could be well I don't I don't know if Gandhi was but yeah, well he was political, right? And then uh, he was, uh, boy, what a tough run he had there before he was, well, assassinated, I think. that's that You can call that assassinated. President Kennedy was assassinated. And uh, let's see, Martin Luther King, I think you could say, was assassinated. And uh, Robert Kennedy, too, you could say, well, that was assassinated, right? And uh, so I guess a bunch of folks... There's not that many you think of. Obviously, the 1960s were a very tough period for America when, well, we might have been children, but the whole country was learning a lot of things they never learned before. I don't know what those things are, by the way, but I think we didn't know them before. And one thing is, don't use convertibles. Period. And... uh, in any case, though, so I think uh, the answer to the question then has uh, how important does a person have to be before he is considered assassinated instead of just murdered? Well, how important? That's the key to the question. How important, I might say to that, not important at all. It doesn't have to be important. I mean, you and I if we were coffee growers down in somewhere in South America, you might not think El Presidente was so important. Now, you and I might smile a lot and 
promise that he is really important if he asked us so that we don't spend the next 10 minutes being, well, covered with gas and burned. And uh, and that was the good part. <laughs> then it got tough. But, I mean, how how important? I don't think important figures in, really. I mean, in terms of the large scale of what's important to you or me, what's important to the universe, what's important to God, what's important to that country, to anything. Probably not a lot. And does that make the assassin right? No, he's too crazy to be right. I mean, anybody who hides a gun inside a phony cast, I think is out of his mind. But in answer to the question, Steve, how important does a person have to be before he is considered assassinated instead of just murdered? The straight answer to that, Steve, is not important at all. He doesn't have to be important at all. Now, how prominent does he have to be? Is that kind of the same thing as important? Yeah. The colonel just nodded. Yeah, yeah. But how much of a big deal did he have to be before the guy with the phony cast on his arm decided to put a two-shot Derringer in there? How important? I don't know. But it's a terrific question. That I know for sure. How important does he have to be before he's considered assassinated instead of just murdered? Well, there's so much sorrow around that. I'm I'm betting you, I'll bet you a dollar, his family considered him pretty important already. And they didn't want the guy with the phony cast to kill him. So, thanks. And by, that's right, and by Amazon. Amazon, speaking of important, Amazon is where you go right now. You go right now on your computer, on your laptop, on your cell phone, on anything you can, you have that gets you through to the Internet, and you just poke through Amazon.com, and they will take you to Amazon.com. You can buy anything in the world there you want, right? Wrong! Take your pinky finger off that thing. You don't want to do that. You don't, you don't go to Amazon. You know why? We... Here at the show, we'll take you there on our own time. What you do is you go to our website again, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. You go to LarryMillerPodcast.com, and there's a banner there that is blue. Oh, I, did I get it right? How do you like that? Still never seen it and don't need to. Uh, what I need to know is that Colonel Jeff knows what it is, and he knows how to set it up. So you go to our website, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Click on our banner that says Amazon, and then we will take you there. Once you've clicked on that banner, go to sleep, take a shower, take a nap, read a long magazine article. Just go to sleep in your easy chair and we'll take you to Amazon.com. And once you get there, oh, folks, will you be happy. It's the best deal available in America today because you can order anything you want, anything you can imagine, anything you've always needed. Amazon is thrilled because they'll be able to send it to you right away. And we're pretty happy also because Amazon sends us a percentage of whatever it is you order. So you're happy they're happy, and we get to put more money into our fancy fried chicken dinner fund that we're still so, we're still going working on. We've made more than enough money for it, I think, but money goes to other places around here, and that's not a and that's not a bad thing to say. And we'll let you know as soon as we go out for our fancy fried chicken dinner with cocktails beforehand in a bar. That's right. This is a very grown up thing we're going to do that we've already done and I've told you about. I don't think we'll all get shaves this time. Maybe we would. We did that last time, like barber shaves, where we brought our fancy outfits, you know, a suit or sport jacket, shirt and tie, into the barber shop, and we found a barber shop. Well, that's right. I knew the place right here. That's right, right near the chiropractor. And that barber gave you real, classic, fancy shaves, barber shaves, where you get Noxema spread on, 
and then you get a hot towel, then you get more Noxema, then another hot towel, then you get really hot shaving cream that comes right out of that hot shaving cream dispenser that no one's ever seen except a barbershop, and you put that on more again, another hot towel, then more shaving cream, and that beard of yours is ready to go. So we might do that again, but in any case, your dough that goes to us, well, that'll go to a chicken dinner. And by Sherry's Berries. That's right. The best place to go for a real treat you're going to love. And by the way, it's a pretty good idea for Mother's Day. My, uh, my kids this weekend went to the mall because they said we want to get Mommy something for Mother's Day. And I thought that sounded like a terrific idea. So I said, good for you. You know what? That's a very sweet thing you thought of there, and Mommy's going to love it. So good for you for thinking of it, and good for Mommy for loving it. And it also happens to remind me because I haven't gotten anything yet. I usually wait till 10 seconds before the holiday so I can get something really special. In any case, what you do for Sherry's Berries is order a gift for Mom that's as unique as she is. Giant Freshly dipped strawberries from Sherry's Berries starting at just $19.99. That's right. Over 40% savings on Sherry's Berries. That's right. And the colonel was nodding with that big, you know, that lips pursed thing. of Hey, that's pretty. Hey, how do you like that? Or double the berries for just $10 more. Click on the mic in the upper right corner, and use my code, Larry Miller. That's pretty neat, too. You didn't nod and smile there on that one, did you? Yeah, that's pretty cool, too. Wow. Enormous, fresh, juicy, mouth-watering berries. That's the first time those adjectives have been used before the word berry, by the way. <laughs> you get enormous and mouth-watering in there, you can take it on your own <laughs> and send in your guess. But, boy, that's pretty good. Those berries dipped in white milk and dark, chocolatey goodness. Folks, these are terrific. I'm telling you, I've had these. They send a couple of boxes of it every year and uh, for all sorts of holidays over here to, well, to Ace Broadcasting. And this is uh, a bunch of guys who's, who've never had guys who fix the cars here, guys who hurt the cars here, guys who do everything, who make shows like us. And whatever it is, we're not... People who are known for fancy food. And I am telling you, though, wow, these berries are terrific. Wow, topped with chocolate chips, decorative swizzle, or nuts. You just need my code, Larry Miller, when you order. I bet your mouth is watering right now. Don't wait long and order now before this Mother's Day deal ends. Visit berries.com. And they've asked me to spell it, and I know why, because it could be spelled different ways. This is B-E-R-R-I-E-S, berries.com, berries.com. Click on the microphone in the top right corner and type in Larry Miller. Go to berries.com, 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 and type in Larry Miller. Order today. And as they've loaded here at the bottom, as they've written in, this deal expires Friday at midnight. Make sure you order now. Yikes. They're not kidding around, are they? <laughs> All right, this deal expires Friday before midnight. You don't want to get something for mom that she doesn't need, like a, like a broken ballpoint pen. Hey, it's funny I mentioned that because we have right now something we just started Last week, and it's become so popular, at least with me, and at least with the colonel and the doctor, that we're going to have, are you ready? This is a ballpoint pen update. That's right, a pen update. Now, as you know, I told you last week, Colonel Jeff lost his pen. And here in the studio, he found another pen. On the floor, right? He's just not a chair. Floor, floor is fine. 
but it was. It was on the floor. Now, he didn't know what kind of pen it was. It was The name brand, the make, wasn't even written in on it. And he just found it. It's not the kind of pen that he liked. Not the kind of pen that I liked. Not the kind of pen, really, that anyone likes. It was square on the barrel. It was all black. And it is a ballpoint pen. And he pressed the square top. And the ballpoint pen came out. And it didn't write that well. He wasn't thrilled about it. He just didn't like it at all. And then, sure enough, after just a half a day or a day of writing with it, because he thought, well, I ought to be loyal to it and just use it. I lost my pen, and somebody left his pen here, and I'll keep that pen a-going. And he did, and the pen broke. The pen wouldn't write. He could click it, and the point would come down, but it did nothing. And it was out of juice. It didn't have anything left in ink. And he said, well, how do you like that? And he went to throw it out. And as his hand got over the trash can, he said, I just don't feel good throwing it out right now. And he put it back on his desk. And he tried, folks, every couple of days, he would pick that pen up again, click it again, and try it on a writing pad. And nothing happened. It was still no good at all. And it was just no good for writing, and he was going to have to get himself another pen. And one day, last week, he tried it one more time, just before tossing it out, and he clicked the top, and the point came out. And do you know what happened, folks? It wrote again just fine. It started writing as if nothing had been wrong at all, and Jeff began writing with it, and he decided to commit to this pen. He said, you know what? I was committed enough to hold on to it once it broke again. And now that it came back to life on its own, or maybe with my spiritual help and all the prayers I made, maybe it was a combination that made it work, but I'm loyal to it now. And what happened, folks, was after I heard that story, which wasn't easy, but after I heard that story, you know what I did? It reminded me of a ballpoint pen I have in my house, in my office, that broke about a year ago. It's a Bic pen, and I love Bic pens. The whole category of comedy pens to me, that's my name for it, a comedy pen is a Bic pen. The ones we all had in elementary school, the blue ones with the cap that comes off, And I always put that cap back on because I hate finding something my kids used or my wife used where the cap is now gone. I hate that. Of course, I never tell them, but I hate it. And I use those forever. I brought a black one today. It's a comedy pen. Blue is really the perfect color for comedy from Bic, but black works too on a legal pad. And I love Bic pens. I love all kinds of Bic pens. Jeff... Colonel Jeff has a pen I have right now in the studio with the headphones on that is also a Bic pen. It's a lower-priced, lower model, lower grade of Bic pen. But you know what? Every time I come in, I always say, Jeff, or sometimes Colonel, if I'm in a really good mood, Colonel, pass me one of your pens, and he does, and that's what we prepare the show with. But the, the pen that I had was a nicer model, I guess, that I began using years ago. They're ballpoint pens. They come in all sorts of colors, and I got them in all sorts of colors. But mainly what I use is blue. And they're ballpoint pens that are official, that don't have a cap that comes off, that have something that can go onto the little pen holder in your pocket or just onto your pocket there, and it it just slides right over it. And you know what, folks? This pen stopped working. It stopped working. It won't work, and this is about a year now, and it's over. And for some reason, I didn't throw it out. For some reason, it was too new. It was too good. It was too bicky. I loved this pen, and I used to get boxes, still do, of that model. Boxes of those pens. That sounds too official, maybe, but you know what I mean, where there are, what, 12 or 20 in every box? And this one I never threw out. And when Colonel Jeff told me this story about the pen he found that came back to life because he committed to it, and when I used that pen, and I didn't like it either, 
It was too square in the barrel, and and well, it it you know it didn't write really well. The the point of the pen was too thin, almost sharp, and but that's just between you and me. When the pen when I'm, when the pen is in my hand, or when it's on Jeff's desk, or when we're doing prep for the show, I'll always say something nice because I don't want to offend the pen. But I decided to try my pen again, and now. Every day at home, when I sit down at my laptop to write new comedy or to, well, read new letters coming in on email, and I pick up that pen always, and I look at it, and I smile, and I click it, and I put it on my writing pad, and nothing happens. There is nothing that happens. I did it again this morning. Nothing happened again. I don't do it roughly. I don't scrape it. I don't hold it like a dagger and move it over the page. I just try it again, and it's it's a little thicker point. I like these pens a lot. These pens have written a lot of good comedy for me, and nothing happened. And then I tried today something else, a further step. I licked my right index finger and put that index finger over the point of the pen to moisten it a little. Maybe that would work. And that would just loosen up some of the pen and some of the ink that was still in that pen and in that cartridge. And you know what? It didn't do anything again today. So, so far, that is my ballpoint pen update. I will let you know, first of all, without me telling you, you will always know that every day I will try that pen again. Not with anger and, oh, not with cynicism. Not what, not with skepticism, nothing bad. This is just me trying it again with a big smile saying, let's see where this pen is in its life and in my life. And as soon as something happens, folks, I will let you know. Because this is not in the category of, well, food or job or health or any of those goofy things. Hey, what, what about food for the children? Shouldn't I go to work for, uh, and get food for the children? Yes, yes, fine. But you'll really be happy when you know that one of these days, my pen, like Jeff's pen, wrote again and is back in business. If it doesn't, I'll keep going. And I will still keep clicking that pen and waiting to see if it works. So that every morning, whether nothing happens, whether I lick it, nothing happens again, I say to the big company, by the way, to the big pen company, I love you, fellas. I love you guys. I love the idea someone had, I'm guessing around 1955, to make those comedy pens I love so much. And that became so popular with you and me. But you know what? <laughs> I, will, I will tell you right now, I'm going to keep going, and I will let you know on the pen... Update, which brings us to the favorite part of my show, the joke of the week. That's right. I love doing this. I love bringing a joke into the world of the show because there's stand-up is one thing, and I love it very much, the ones I write and where every comma is in the right place, and that's great. It's a wonderful kind of comedy, but I love regular jokes, too. Just regular jokes that you know and I know and that I can't seem to remember. Oh, Lord, I love every week finding a new joke. Sometimes Dr. Chris knows one. Sometimes Colonel Jeff knows one. Sometimes I hear one from a friend and I always say, I'm going to put that on my show. But this one today, Colonel Jeff found on the Internet. It wasn't on a specific site, was it? No, it wasn't. He shakes his head. Well, I think this is a pretty good joke, and I'm going to tell it to you right now. A man and a friend are playing golf one day at their local golf course. One of the guys is about to chip onto the green when he sees a long funeral procession on the road next to the course. He stops in mid-swing, lowers his club, takes off his golf cap, closes his eyes, and bows down in prayer. His friend is a little surprised and waits till he's finished and then says to him, Wow, that is the most thoughtful and touching thing I have ever seen. You truly are a kind man. And the man replies, 
Yeah, well, we were married 35 years. Now, that's a pretty good old-style married joke. Guy's on a golf course on the day of his wife's funeral. Now, I'm not saying he had anything to do with that. I'm not saying, well, he killed her or assassinated her. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying there was anything off about that. But that's a great classic joke. It's a guy you meet on a golf course, and he's having a bunny day, a terrific day, a really calm day with a friend. And after that course is finished, after they finish that 18, you know they're going to go to the bar in the clubhouse there, the bars that always have those great names, the 19th hole and things like that. And you know they're going to have a few drinks there, and that'll be fine. But boy, oh boy, he takes his cap off because his wife is passing by. So I hope you like that one, and I hope you enjoyed telling it to friends. And that brings us to my second favorite part of the show every week, something I just love doing, the Poetry Corner. That's right, the Poetry Corner. If this is your first time listening to the show, I do this every week. I've been thinking about this since I was a kid. I thought if I ever have a show where lots of people are listening and I can do things I really enjoy doing, I'm going to tell and describe. I'm going to tell a poem. I'm going to read a poem from the greatest authors, from the ones I've never heard of before. It, it, it doesn't quite matter. If it's good, Colonel Jeff will find one, or the doctor will find one, or I'll find one. And sometimes they'll be funny, and sometimes they'll be dark and sad, and sometimes they'll just be thoughtful. And this one, I think, is just terrific. It's called A Dream Within a Dream, and it's written by the great American author Edgar Allan Poe. So here we go, a dream within a dream. Take this kiss upon the brow, and in parting from you now, thus much let me avow, you are not wrong, who deem that my days have been a dream. Yet if hope has flown away, in a night or in a day, in a vision or in none. Is it therefore the less gone? All that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. I stand amid the roar of a surf-tormented shore, and I hold within my hand grains of the golden sand. How few, yet how they creep through my fingers to the deep, while I weep, while I weep. Oh, God, can I not grasp them with a tighter clasp? Oh, God, can I, can I not save one from the pitiless wave? Is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream? And there it is, from Edgar Allan Poe a very heartfelt, very reflective thought of the way he, one of the ways, well, he looks at life. Edgar Allan Poe was born in 1809 and uh, passed away, died very young. He was just uh, 40 years old. I think it was 1849 he died. And uh, boy, his stuff is good, though. Not just the, he was one of the first, maybe the first American who became a short story writer, using the short story as a form. And, uh, oh boy, he could be, and there was a good science fiction to a lot of his thinking, a lot of his heart. And, uh, hoo-wee, didn't he write Murders on the Rue Morgue? Or was that somebody else I'm thinking of? Regardless, though, his work was just terrific, and I hope you like that poem. And who knows, maybe you'll read that to a friend one day, too. And that brings us to the magic movie moment, one of my favorite parts of the show, too. A magic movie moment. Now, that's remember when there's a movie you love and you've seen many, many times. 
could be the first time too, but it's usually a movie you've seen, oh, 10, 20, 30 times. And there's a part in it or a scene in it or some dialogue in it or some acting in it or lighting in it that just moves you every time. It takes you to a different place. Even when you're seeing the movie again because you love it and it's great, even when you're just seeing it again, you're really thinking deep inside, I can't wait for my favorite scene to come up because it's become a magic movie moment for me. And this one is from a great movie I've seen many times also. It's called Ball of Fire. And it had some names that didn't last. One was called, before that title came up, one was called Blonde Blitzkrieg. And, well, how do you like that? The Blonde Blitzkrieg in this was Barbara Stanwyck. And the star who played with her was Gary Cooper. And it's a wonderful movie, directed by Howard Hawks, right? And, oh, what a director he was. And... Ball of Fire was made in 1942. What a cast. Dana Andrews, Oscar Homolka, and S.Z. Sakal was in this. You know S.Z. Sakal very well. Even if you don't know the name, S.Z. Sakal was nicknamed Cuddles in Hollywood in the 1940s and the 1950s, and he was someone else who emigrated from a place, well, that was not very kind to him or his relatives or his people in 1940. And he was, you know him, if you've seen Casablanca, he played the head waiter with the glasses. He's a little chubby, and he's got white hair all over that's parted neatly. And he has a very funny voice, And he's, but he's a very good actor. And he always says, that's right, they will, you will get along just fine in America. And he's wonderful with a smile. You love to love this guy. And he's in this movie as well. Oh, it's a terrific movie, folks. And the reason it's become something of a magic movie moment for me is because you, the audience, and, and me, but you, the audience, the watchers know from the very beginning... Oh, boy, Gary Cooper's got to fall in love with Barbara Stanwyck, and she's got to fall in love with him. And they are different things, and this is their synopsis of the story. Briefly was, a professor falls in love with a burlesque girl. And nothing need be said more about that, except go see this movie. It's about, well, the 1940s in New York and the New York area, and... It's about gangsters and crime. And these are tough guys. Dan Durier is in this as well. He's just wonderful. And uh, he, he plays, what, Dan Pastrami or something? Chucky Pastrami? Even though the names sound a little silly, the movie is very serious with great comedy in it. And it may seem silly at times, but you never leave it. Meaning you never say, oh, that couldn't happen. You're still really hoping for the love. You're hoping for the success of the team behind the love. And you're hoping for more good comedy in it. And you're hoping, you're hoping that the good people win in this story and the bad people lose. And you know what, folks? That's what happens. And what made this magical for me is that the great Howard Hawks never made it too weird. It's always just perfectly made, perfectly shot. And, oh, even though the characters are a little little broad, they're wonderfully broad. And you love Barbara Stanwyck. What a great actress she was. You love her because in this case, she plays just, oh, I had a, such a crush on her, still do. And you know what, though? She could play any part, the most serious. She could cry and make you cry. She could be funny and make you laugh. And in this movie, she played someone you just wanted to know because she's a girl who had a tough upbringing. Sugar Lips, right? That was her name in the movie. That's Sugar Lips. Wait, what was the last name? Sugar, Sugar Lips O'Shea. And you know something? They're wonderful names, and that's what made it magical to me, though. 
from the second this movie starts till the second it ends, you're carried along with the story just the way you should be, and you're hoping for the right things just the way you should be. And you know what, folks? There is nothing more magical than that. There's greatness to a lot of magic movie moments. There's great acting for drama or for comedy. But in this case, all of these folks, led by their great director, Howard Hawks, and the folks, oh, who wrote it and lit it and produced it, but this movie never stops being wonderful and keeping you in there. And the fact that it does in such a broad way and I'll tell you what, you'll think that's magical too. See it sometime, if you've never seen it, Ball of Fire from 1942, starring Gary Cooper and Barbara Stanwyck and directed by Howard Hawks. So, boy, oh boy, I'll tell you what, though, that's one of the reasons that made me think of it was because my my son... Uh, my oldest boy, I've mentioned this before, is a senior in high school now. And it's just another month or two before he graduates. And then just a few weeks after that, he's going to be a Marine. He's already in and he's, God bless him, going to be a great Marine. And that's what he wants. And we had told him, my wife and I, you know, had told him, hey, if you go to college... You know, you could uh, join an officer's corps and still be a Marine. And when you come out, oh, you'll be training the whole way along for four years. But when you come out, you'll be a lieutenant. And he didn't want to go to college. He's a very sweet, joyous, funny kid, a great athlete. And, well, he's going to be a great Marine. And they're going to know it, and he's going to know it. And this weekend... This past weekend, just before coming here, he had one of those wild 18-year-old weekends where he's playing baseball, he's uh, on the school team, and Friday was the big day for him because he's a senior, so they gave him a ceremony on the field before the game. And my wife and I were there, and it was very sweet, really. And we walked out onto the field, and... One of his friends, a junior on the team who's the catcher, wrote something and read it to him. And it was perfect writing and a perfect presentation. And it was very moving. It was very sweet. And, in fact, it was the first time I could shake hands with all the coaches without really wanting to say, What are you, stupid? No, I'm not, I'm not serious about that. But, you know, parents get angry at certain times at sports, and they were terrific this day. And then, oh, he played a great game. My kid, he hit well. He fielded well. He's a pitcher, but he just pitched two days before that and uh, had five innings with one hit. He's a really good pitcher, and he was throwing his knuckleball, too. He's good. And this day, though, on on his official game day for him... He was playing first base, and he played the whole game. And, boy, I'll tell you, this kid can stretch and catch balls. He saved 15 putouts. He made the putouts at first base. But you could see as he stretches each way to the left, to the right, up, down. He catches short hops. He's a terrific fielder, and he did that all day. And then that night, so the point is we took him out to dinner with his younger brother. We took him out to dinner when the game was over. And he was happy because he had a great dinner. He had everything. He had a steak and potatoes. He had a great athlete's marine dinner. And then after that, we all got home and we said, you know what let's do? You guys shower up and you guys put your pajamas on and we'll all cuddle up downstairs, watch a movie together and do something like that. But he had plans. He had a date with his girlfriend and... They, she's a great girl, and they've been going out for, I think, about a year. And they had a date and with several of their other friends, four or five of their other friends, and they went out to get a bite. And then they went to see a movie, all of them together. And then they went back to one of the homes that 
that one of the guys had there. And they were out late at that guy's house, and another fellow had his girlfriend over, and they were watching TV together and just hanging up and cuddling up on, on the couch in their den downstairs. And then he got home, well, with uh, very, very little time to go for sleep. He got home late. And this was the kind of thing where you don't get mad at a kid. Oh, I don't anyway. No reason to get mad at a kid who's living life that well. And you know what? He got home, whew, didn't get to sleep till about 2 or 2.30 in the morning. Now, why is that late? Because he had a get-together with the Marines at 5 in the morning. Had to be there at 5. Got up at 6.15, and he was... Uh, he was using, he was on silent running, so he can make himself some cereal and milk and some fruit, and he was out of the house then, and this was he was out of the house by by four thirty and then he he got together with all the marines, and they have a day of competition, a day of athletics, a day of working out, a day of going against one against the other and if you notice they're marines, you know, so everything they do. They're not just kidding around. They didn't get there to play whist. And so he's working with them and, during, you know, heavy-duty workouts and, you know, and competitions. Uh, and, and no one was kidding around. And uh, he had no sleep, just an hour or two of sleep. And then baseball and sprinting and wrestling with Marines, building and painting with Marines. And he was out with his girlfriend and his friends the night before. And I was thinking, boy, God bless this kid. He's a tough kid. And he came back to the house about noon, about 12.30. They had all had lunch together, and he looked fine. And he had to go right away because he had a baseball game that day. And he was, well, he was prominent. He played the whole game. He just had a great game there. And I said, this kid is really going to be tired. And he got home from that baseball game. Well, we went to see that, too. And we all got home whew, somewhere around 6 or 6.30. And he had to go again, though, because he had another date with his girlfriend and another date with three or four of their other friends, different friends this time. And they went out for their dinner, and they saw another movie, and they went to another friend's house and sat on his couch downstairs in his den and cuddled up and watched another movie on TV. And he was up that night, too. He was He spent the night at that friend's house with his girlfriend, with all their friends together. And you know what? He didn't get back to our house till just before his Sunday morning baseball lesson. He had a session with one of the coaches where they use him to help teach, and they run him ragged doing all sorts of practice events for himself and for our other kid, his younger brother, and... I'm thinking, holy mackerel, this kid is going crazy. Plus, he had, that was when he said, Dad, I want to get the oil changed on my car. And I said, you know what, I'll meet you down there. It was a Jiffy Lube. And uh, I'll meet you down there so I, I can pay for it on my credit card. And I did that. And we all, the three of us, hung out together. And then he said, you know what, can we go to the cash machine because we want to go to the mall and get something for mommy for Mother's Day. And I said, that's so sweet. You know what? You're going to get something just great. And we went to the cash machine, and I, I gave him. They were going to go get lunch, too. So he said, can he have $40? And I gave him $60. I don't know how you are with friends or children, but you've got to always give them more, I think. And, you know, you can just say, here, take here's some more money. Take some more money. Get something nice for mommy and get something good to eat in the food court there, and they went off, and I went home, and my my wife was, well, annoyed because they were supposed to do their, well, working for the community that day, which the schools score on, as you may know. And it's important, and I said, well, you know, they were going to go get something, something important, and she was getting mad, and I said, it's for, I, I think it's for you. I think it was maybe for Mother's Day, and... Now she got mad at me, saying, what did you have to tell me that for? Well, I, I don't know. I thought maybe you were going to kill me. And so we had our day together. They got back, and the the older boy, I'm telling you, after all this, 
and not sleeping, and he got back, and we had some Chinese food for dinner on Sunday night, and I'm telling you, at a little after 8 o'clock, and I mean like 8.02, 8 o'clock, 0.02, he said to me, you know what, I'm, I'm going to sleep, and I said, good for you, that's the smart thing to do, you've had a, well, two and a half wild days here, and going strong, and doing all sorts of things, and I said, there's nothing better for you than a great night's sleep. And that's what he got. He was out cold at 8.05, and I got him up. He didn't have to be in school that early today because he's taking some big kind of AP test. And I got him up about 7.25. Now, that's a pretty good night's sleep. And I said, good for you. And I looked at him and said, you look great. He took a shower to wake up, and I made them a great breakfast. As always, and you know what? They went off to school, and I thought, how do you like that? He's a pretty tough kid, and he's going to be a great Marine, and he's got a great girlfriend. And folks, in a sense, that's a magic movie moment for me. It's the movie of my life, of our lives, of your lives, too. And you know what? There's nothing better in it than seeing one of your kids do great things with sports, with school, with getting awards, with a girlfriend, with friends, with having dinner, with seeing movies, and staying up late and staying up all night, and then working out with the Marines for crying out loud and heavy-duty workouts, and then getting a big night's sleep. There is nothing more magical than that. And... You know it, and I know it. We know the same things. We know Homer is Homer, and Pluto is a planet. And so remember, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's still the truest, most magical thing I know. Be well, and we'll see you here next week. 